Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. You look to Christ, you follow Christ, you do what he says, you believe what he says, you don't care what the world says about what he says, you follow it because you're a follower of Christ and the Bible says he'll take care of your needs. He'll give you everything you need between here and the day you breathe your last breath in this life. He will take you from here to there. You believe that and you trust that, then you think, think okay, I, I guess I, I've got what I need. I have provision. confident are you in God's plan for your life? Are you trusting God to provide everything you need? Well, today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares continues a lesson from the life of Moses, and we're starting in Acts chapter 7, verse 30, where Stephen reminds the Jewish leaders about how God provided for Israel and for Moses. As you listen, you'll see there's a lesson for us today. I'm your host, Dave Drewy, and here's Pastor Mike with the conclusion of a message called The Provision Through Moses. Let's turn, if you haven't turned already, to Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 30 through 36. We're going to remember this is the third season of Moses' life. It's the season where he's called back from the desert, working for his father-in-law, to go back to Egypt and lead the people out of Egypt. It's a very short summary of all that. And let's follow along as I read it, beginning verse 30. Now, when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him, that's Moses, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, adjacent to Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire in a bush, the burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came a voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham. Now think of this, this is 600 years earlier. The God of Abraham, the promises there in Genesis 12. And of Isaac, he reiterated those promises to Isaac. And of Jacob, Moses, and we read all about it in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, but it says he trembled and didn't dare to look. Verse 33, then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals, you remember this famous line, from your feet, for the place where you were standing is holy ground. And he says this, I've surely seen the affliction of my people, which I'm sure they doubted at some point in the midst of their pain, who are in Egypt, and I've heard their groaning, which I'm sure they're thinking, God, why aren't you answering me? How long are you going to keep us down here? But he's heard it all. He's aware. And I've come down to deliver them. Good, finally, right? But that's the thing. They had to wait for this timing. Now come, God says to Moses, and I'm going to send you back to Egypt. Now, he gets back out of this narrative, and he says in verse 35, this Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and judge, as we saw in the last passage, right? Well, this man God sent both as ruler and redeemer. That was God's human agency to get them out of this mess by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man, Moses, led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt. We know all about those, the plagues in, in Egypt. And at the Red Sea, we know the parting of the Red Sea and the drowning of the Egyptian army in the wilderness. Then he travels around for 40 more years before he dies and hands the baton to Joshua, who then goes in and they finally get into the promised land. So the sequence of God's deliverance here through Moses is all falling into place. And that plan is being worked out. But as I look at verses 30 through 31 and God's saying, hey, 600 years ago, I made a promise. Okay, we're going to start putting into practice that fulfillment. And that's going to be, you're going to leave Egypt after 430 years and you're going to go into the promised land. And I got Moses, I got a plan. I'm working it out. I prepared him. Here we go. And it was postponed for 40 years. And that was a bit of a hassle, right? To think about the fact that you're there and thinking, we called last week's message, the postponement of this, of this deliverance through Moses. And so we're, we're, we're always thinking now, like a petulant three-year-old. I want it now, 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 now. And God said, we're going to have to wait. 
but I got a plan. And you need to trust in that plan. Let's jot that down. Number one, if you're taking notes, those first three verses remind us there is a plan and you and I as Christians need to trust in that plan. And I say I don't want to belabor this because this has been the theme the last few weeks. You have to either believe God's plan is true and that there will be a time and a place that God's kingdom is going to come and there will no longer be any mourning, no crying, no pain, no death. All of that's going to be behind us. The pain is going to be gone. The sin is going to be gone. The problems and the hostility and the oppression and everything we dislike that reminds us that things aren't right, God's going to make it right. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, I, I, I would consider, he says, that the present sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. You've got to take these two things and say, okay, where we're headed to Canaan is not worthy to be compared to the harsh treatment and slavery I'm going through today. I have to look beyond the pain and I got to look to the prize. And the prize is God's going to take his people to a place where they're, here it is again, no pain any longer, none. So I know the pain right now, that's part of the epic and dispensation I live in, but I know God's got a plan. I have to trust that plan. And I know that it's just a matter of time. You have to believe that not only does God have a good destination for us between here and there, he is not, to use the words of Christ in John 14, he has not left you as an orphan. You're not orphaned. It's not like, okay, when I say sojourner and stranger and alien, it's like, oh, good, good luck with that. See you, see you in, in 25 years. No, it's like, I will be with you. I'm going to take you from here to there. Let me turn you to, let me first write it down. You need to trust in the Holy Spirit's presence to speak of orphans. The idea is he says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to go back to my father and I'll be ensconced at the right hand of, of the king. But here's the thing. You will have the Holy Spirit. He will come to you and he will dwell with you and he will be with you. And in that sense, I can say, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And the problem is we can say we believe in the omnipresence of God, but on Wednesday afternoon, you have to think, I know that God is fully aware of every single issue in my life, including my groanings and the burdens and the pains, and I know he's walking me through this. Even if your life feels like it's a 430 years of enslavement in Egypt, I know that God is with me. And the resource of knowing that, of practicing in my own conscious, cognizant mind that God is present right now, is going to make all the difference. I'll show you. Go to Deuteronomy 31. At the end of Moses' ministry... He says, as he's handing the baton off, this is 40 years after the burning bush experience. And he's saying, okay, Joshua, you're going in now and you're going to lead the people into Canaan. God's not even going to let me into the promised land here on this earth, this promised land here, land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to lead them in. And which, by the way, when you lead them in, it's a long series. It's going to be a lot of work. You got a lot to do. I mean, you got the battle of Jericho and then there's going to be failure and sin and you're going to have discipline. Uh, what needless pain you're going to bear at the battle of AI. You're going to have, you're going to have bury soldiers. It's not going to be good. And then you're going to have the Northern campaign, Southern campaign. You're going to have all these things. It's going to be a lot of work for a whole generation settling the promised land. But listen, here's the promise of God between here and there. The promise is God's presence. And you have to believe that. Look at verse six, Deuteronomy 31, six. This is a great text. End of Moses' ministry. He says here, be strong, he's telling the people. Be strong and courageous, right? Don't be disheartened. Don't have a broken spirit. Don't be dismayed by the, by the struggles. Do not fear or be in dread of them. You're going to go in there, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems at work, problems with culture. You have problems in your life, problems with your, your body, all kinds of problems in this present dispensation. But here's the deal. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. By the way, you know there's not verses about, hey, be sure you sleep every night. There's no verses about that. Hey, you should really eat. You should have some lunch today. Don't forget to eat, boys and girls. God never has to say those kinds of things. There's no verses about be sure you breathe because you're going to do that. When you see God repeating commands over and over and over and over and over and over again, like this one, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. 
I'm with you. Then I know this. We must be prone to not remember that. What, God's not stuttering or wasting ink. He's trying to tell us, you will forget this if you don't practice this, if you don't make this your cognizant, conscious awareness. You have to know this invisible God who's made a promise is not left you as an orphan. Between here and there, he will walk with you. Keep reading. He will not leave you. It's talking about the rest of this week. The rest of, he's not going to forsake you. That's what God promises. Then Moses looks at the guy who's going to have a lot of weight on his shoulders, Joshua. Moses summoned Joshua and he said to him in the sight of all of Israel, I'm going to tell you that your leader, I'm going to commission him. You're all going to hear what I'm going to say to him. Same thing I said to you, be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It's going to take a whole generation to get this done. It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. So do not fear and do not be dismayed. Here's the problem. The difference between you getting from here to there with the right attitude, without all this unnecessary, superfluous pain that you really shouldn't bear, oh, what needless pain we bear, would be for you to say, number one, I know what God's promises and I know where we're headed. And 100 years from now, I know where I'm going to be. But between here and there, I'm never going to forget that I'm not left as an orphan. How many times does God have to say it? Right? Hebrews 13. All the issues that you have about money, you're all concerned about money. Don't worry about that. He says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You need to remember that I'm there. And even Moses, when he was told, hey, from the burning bush, God says, hey, you go and lead these people back and think about the sphere that you would have. I left Egypt because they had a, a, a bounty on my head. I'm going to be killed if I go back. God says, go back. And guess what he says? What you and I would say, I don't want to go. I don't. He says, send someone else, he says in Exodus 3. And do you remember what God's response is? I will be with you. You need to remember that. I will be with you. I will get you through the difficulty of you standing in the shadow of Pharaoh and his, his throne. And then he says, I'm not very good at speaking. You want me to speak? I'm not. Do you remember what he said? I will be with your mouth. Can you just start recognizing God's presence in your life? Don't forget that you're not an orphan. That Wednesday afternoon, whatever it is you have to power through at work, whatever you deal with next weekend, God says, I am going to walk you through it. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And the reality of that is life-changing. One passage, Psalm 139. I just want to read a little bit of this for you with, without comment. Here we go. Ready? Verse 1, Psalm 139. Verse 1. Oh, Lord, you've searched me. You've known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with most of my ways. Underline the word most. Is that there? Oh. Oh. Acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all together. Is he here? I'm hemmed in. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Third person of the God. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I can't. If I ascend to heaven, well, you're there. Duh. If I make my bed in the grave and shield, you're there. If I take the wings in the morning, if I take the, you know, the concord as far east as I can go, if I dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, the light is going to be night. Well, even darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. How well do you know me? Verse 13, you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was being made, crafted together in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. How much? This is mind-blowing. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. How much is God thinking about your situation? When you're sitting there in Egypt going, God, where are you? You don't hear me. You don't know how much we're hurting. You don't know the struggles we're in. You don't know the financial situation we're in. You don't know how hard it is for my husband at work. You don't know how difficult it is with this diagnosis. God knows it all. It's like the sand of the, of the seashore. And then when you get to point B, this linear plan and the promise, hey, when I awake, when I'm dead, I wake up, still with you. The reality of God knowing your situation, I just think that can be pivotal. You can say in your systematic theology, I believe in an omniscient, omnipresent God. But do you really cognizantly say, I know this week God will not leave me. And he will be actively present in every groan he'll hear, every sigh he hears, every pain he hears. He's intricately detailed, specifically involved in knowing my life. I am with you. That is repeated so many times in the scripture. The God who hears, the God who sees, nothing hidden from his sight. That's critical. So let's get to work. Great. What is it? Verse 35, back in our passage, Acts chapter 7, verse 35. Let's get there. Well, we need a leader. Well, thankfully, if I were there as a slave in Egypt, as an Israeli, and I can't wait to get to the promised land, I need to follow a leader. And it's going to be a very circuitous route from Goshen to get to the promised land, to get to Jerusalem. That's going to be a really long journey, but I need a leader. How do we get there? Well, thankfully, this Moses whom they rejected, which again, you can see the Christological, soteriological undertones of this. You've rejected Christ. He is the redeemer. He's the ruler. And now you think back to the history of Israel. They rejected Moses. Maybe you Sanhedrin need to think about rejecting Christ. Maybe you need to rethink that just like they had to rethink Moses because Moses was the God-appointed man. This Moses whom they rejected saying, who has made you ruler and a judge and adjudicator, the guy who decides our umpire. Well, this man, God did. God sent as both ruler and redeemer. Better than that. He's going to take us to the promised land by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a long journey, but they had Moses as their leader. And guess what God did through that leader? He led them. And if there was a need, met the need. When they said, we don't have anything to eat, through that leader, God gave them manna. Even when they complained and said, we'd sure like some meat, God gave them quail. If they had a need, like where do we go from here, God had this visible sign, the signs and wonders that made it clear that this is an authenticated leader, not just a guy wandering in the wilderness going, he's crazy. No, we can even see there's this pillar of fire at night and this pillar of cloud by day, and our leader is following that. And that's supernatural. So we recognize the authenticated, supernatural, authorized leadership of this person. Which, by the way, as Romans chapter 1, verse 4 says, we sit here today, not as Buddhists, not as Muslims, we follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our King. He is our Lord. And we say, we follow Him. The authenticated leadership of our King was, as it says in Romans 1, 4, that He was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. Right? You can't claim that for any other religion on the planet. We have a physically, bodily resurrected king who is alive and not dead. Right? Pick any other religion and try and have that claim. You can't. 
and is the number one apologetic. It's the reason that we sit here and say, objectively, we must follow Christ. He has been declared to be the Son of God. And like Moses, he is our deliverer, our king, our judge, our ruler. And that is important for us as we sit here in a world that says we don't like what Christ said. We don't like what he said about marriage. We don't like what he says about ethics. We don't like what he said about values. We don't like what he said about anything. And, and they're increasingly pushing against us in that regard. But we sit here and say, no, he's our leader. And we trust him and we believe him. And the Bible says that Jesus comes on the scene and says, you listen to me and keep my priorities, your priorities. You listen to my words, which he said will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away, Jesus said. You follow what I say, and if you follow what I say, whatever the needs might be, I'll meet those needs. For instance, when he said this, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. He says, and you know what? All these things that the pagans are chasing after, they're really worried about where they're going to sleep, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, I'll be added to you. You won't get everything you, you want, but you'll get everything you need. And think that through. They may want boots with spurs, but they didn't get that. They had sandals, but here's what the Bible says. Their sandals didn't even wear out in the 40 years wilderness wandering. Even their feet did not swell. They had food, they had water, they had clothes, they had everything they needed. And guess what? I bet you got all that too. And the Bible says, as a Christian, it doesn't matter what the world says or what it wants to take away from you. If you seek first his kingdom, he's going to supply your needs. As a matter of fact, here's a verse for you. Philippians 4.19. It's so important that you have this clearly ensconced in your mind because it's not just about trusting where we're headed, the promise of God, the hope of the Christian life. It's not just about you knowing he'll be with you, but he's going to provide for you. That's the third point, by the way. The third point before I quote Philippians 4.19, I want you to write it down. We need to trust in Christ's provision. Christ is our leader and Christ decides to provide for his people. He's the head of the church. He's the one in charge. He's the one that's going to provide everything that you need to get from point A to point B. You need to listen to what he says, his eternal words. And you need to say this, as it said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, my God, Paul says, will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So you look to Christ, you follow Christ, you do what he says, you believe what he says, you don't care what the world says about what he says, you follow it because you're a follower of Christ and the Bible says he'll take care of your needs. He'll give you everything you need between here and the day you breathe your last breath in this life. He will take you from here to there. You believe that and you trust that, then you think, think okay, I guess I've got what I need. I have provision. Listen to Nehemiah 9.21, sorry. 40 years, God sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. That's just a good line. When you get to your deathbed, you will say that if you followed Christ, listen, I followed Christ and God sustained me in the wilderness and I lacked nothing. May not have a boat in the harbor, may not have a third house on the hill, but you will have what you need. And that is important to distinguish the needs from wants and to say, trust in God, going to do what he says. One passage for this. I'll just give you this one text. Turn with me to John 12. This is it. This is, this is what we do. As, this is why we preach the word. This is why God authorized his apostles to write the New Testament, to take his words as he promised in the upper room discourse in John 13 through 16. And he said, listen, I am going to have these guys recall my words and they're going to put them down. He's going to put the details of what he said in writing to exposit this New Testament, New Covenant truth. We have it in 27 books in the library of the New Testament, and we're saying here is our constitution. The provision of our great high priest is in this book, and we follow what it says. He's a sympathetic high priest because he's shared in humanity like we are, and we can come to the throne of grace, and we can get the mercy and help we need in our time of trouble, and we say we follow him. Jesus put it this way. Look at this. Look at verse 46, bottom of the chapter, John 12, 46. I've come into the world as light, which the world doesn't have, but he is light. It's a great metaphorical picture of his truth. 
that like the Bible says in Psalm 119, his word is that light, it's a light for a path. That whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And that's the good thing. I'm getting from point A to point B, journeying through this world with the presence of God. I have the truth of what God wants me to know, the constitution, the, the information, the philosophy, if you want to call it that, the theology of God. I'm, I, I'm not in darkness. I know the truth. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, now he, he kind of speaks here with, with, a, with some double entendre. I don't judge him, right? He will end up judging him, but I didn't come, certainly not in the first coming, to judge the world, but to save the world. I want people to be in the light. I want them to accept this truth that I'm teaching them. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. And what is it? It's the words that I said. The words that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You know, every neighbor you have, every non-Christian worker you work with, they're all going to be judged by the words of Christ, right? Which are, by the way, written on their conscience as well. And the reality of that is we are saying we believe that. That is the light. That is the truth. I follow the truth of what Jesus says. And we say that is my focus, that I'm following him. The one who rejects me, doesn't receive my words, has a judge. It's the word I've spoken to him. It will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority. So this is like Moses standing between that pillar and the people. It's like he's saying, I'm lined up with the God who made us, right? With the Father. I've not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. This is the best thing. Gets you from point A to point B to a place where there's no crying, no mourning, no death, no pain. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. You follow Jesus Christ. And by that, I mean you take what he says and you take it seriously and you use it as definitive guide and truth for your life. It is the, it is the compass, as we put it here, compass of your life. It is the thing that we say, Christ is the point. And I follow him and in, in him is light and I trust him. And I'm going to get from my life today until the end of this life where I know what's beyond this life, the promise of God. I know that he's going to walk me from here to there and I'm going to trust that he will provide. Just like Moses provided for the people. All we need he will provide for us according to the riches of Christ. Those are good words. Trust in his plan. Trust in his presence. Trust in his provision. The triune God. The Father's got a plan. The Spirit comes and walks you through it. And Christ says, do what I say, follow what I said, and you'll have all that you need. Plan, presence, and provision. You're listening to Pastor Mike Fabares and the conclusion of a message called The Provision Through Moses. It's part of a series of gospel lessons from the Old Testament on Focal Point. And if you've missed any of the previous messages, you can easily catch up online at focalpointradio.org. Well, we're glad you joined us to explore the depths of Scripture with us here on Focal Point. And we're especially grateful for friends who share our desire to reach the world with the gospel, teach the truth of the Bible, and train Christ followers. Your support is vital to help keep Pastor Mike's biblical teaching on the air in your community. So please give generously today. When you call 888-320-5885, that's 888 888- 888-320-5885 or go online to focalpointradio.org. And Pastor Mike has selected an excellent book to go along with our current series titled The Most Misused Stories in the Bible. Surprising Ways Popular Bible Stories Are Misunderstood by Eric Bargerhuff. Request your copy when you call to donate. 888-320-5885 is our number or go online to focalpointradio.org. And before we wrap up today, Pastor Mike has one more special announcement. Hi, Pastor Mike Fabar is here. In the summer of 2024, I'll be teaching the Bible on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. I want you to come with me. 
from August the 4th through August the 11th, 2024, we're going to discover the splendor of God's word while we explore the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Join us for world-class dining, daily teaching, worship. It'll be an unforgettable experience. So don't wait to book your spot. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska to learn more. Book your spot today at focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Well, in our materialistic culture, contentment can be an elusive goal. Sadly, many never find it. But it is possible to be content no matter what cards you've been dealt. Pastor Mike Fabares explains how to find joy even in difficult times. I'm your host, Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us for another helpful edition of Ask Pastor Mike, Friday on Focal Point. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike. Or send me a note on facebook.com slash pastormike or twitter.com slash pastormike. I can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.